Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Candice Hickman, a personal branding coach, certified image consultant, and host of the Becoming Known Podcast, joining us. I can't wait for you guys to meet her, so let's get to it. Hey, Candice. Hey there, Kelsey. I am so excited to have you on today. We were just chatting before this episode, and it looks like we were connected as far back as 2017. So it's about dang time to have you on here. And I'm just excited to know you. I would love for you to start by sharing your story with the Radiant listeners and telling them all the twists and turns your story has taken to get you to where you are today. Oh, man, it's a big, long story, so I hope you've got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, I'm originally, as you can hear, I'm originally from Australia and I live in Miami Beach now, but it's been quite a process and quite a journey, you know, to Miami Beach. So I actually grew up uh, in Australia. I was the daughter of a pastor. My dad's a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia. And um, as a, you know, as a kid, all I knew was that I wanted to wear a pantsuit one day. You know, I, I grew up kind of believing that I was, I, I skipped the third grade. I was someone that was very in, intelligent at a young age and really kind of believed that that was the greatest thing that I had to to give the world. I'm smart. Uh, so I graduated from high school at the age of 16, graduated from university as, as an occupational therapist by 20. Wow. And yeah, by 20, had a had a, um, a $60,000 a year day job for my, as an occupational therapist four months post-college. Post. Actually, you know what? I started four months, but I actually had, was given the job off to the month after graduation, entered into the workforce, worked for about a year and a half. And then I decided, you know what? I've just been at school and university my entire life. I want to go to the United States and I want to get to know my dad's side of the family. So I'm biracial. Mum's Australian, dad's African-American, had never grown up around my this side of the family, really wanted to know and understand my black roots, you know, like this is a part of me that I never understood, never knew. And so I wanted to come to America and get to know my dad's side of the family, this other part of me came out to the United States. While I'm traveling, I met a guy. A couple of months later, we were engaged. And six months after that, we were married. And this, oh is, a whirlwind gosh. <laughs> this is a whirlwind story. So stop me whenever you want. But um, met, met my husband. So we, we ended up, I came back to Australia. We did kind of long distance. And the very next time I saw him, he'd flown to Australia. He proposed. He went back to America. I stayed in Australia, prepared the wedding. He flew back out six months later. We got married and then came to the United States. So we were in each other's presence for about two weeks or so before we actually got married. Oh, my gosh. I know, a bit, a bit crazy. And there's no, like, there's no crazy story behind that, guys. No, like, it wasn't a shotgun wedding or anything. It was literally, like, we 
was super was super passionate and pretty over the top type of relationship and we got married very quickly and when I moved to the US we moved to Chicago my professional credentials didn't transfer and I was kind of thrown into this period of like what am I what am I going to do with myself what am I going to do with my life and uh, spent a little lot of time exploring I thought okay I have this completely like blank slate. You know, I can't work as an occupational therapist. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how I could make that happen, submitted research papers, all this type of thing, and could not get my credentials transferred. So I ended up on a local TV show in Chicago. I decided I was watching TV one day. Have you ever seen that show, um, How Do I Look by Jeannie Mai? Oh, I haven't, but it sounds familiar. Mm. It was back, I think, in 2012, I think is when when it maybe first launched. And um, it ran for 12 seasons. And it was basically this makeover show where Jeannie Mai would get these people that had this outrageous style and she would come in, the family and friends would say, oh, this person is just, you know, they've lost the plot. They're wearing sweatpants to a business meeting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all these crazy things like they have bright colored hair and they're a professional whatever and so she would do these makeovers I remember sitting on the couch it was cold in Chicago and I said to myself I want to do that but that looks like a really cool job she just gets to do makeovers with people all day and she does it on television like it had never actually occurred to me that television media that that was a possibility that was something that people actually did for a living right it was you know, have you ever had that feeling like that's for somebody else? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And so this was me, that's for somebody else. But there was a part of me that was just kind of curious. And I remember voicing it to my husband. And the minute you give voice to something, it kind of starts taking on this life of its own because now you've put it out into the universe and it becomes something that is possible. So I said to my husband, you know, oh, that would be a really awesome job. Like, I think I think I would love to do that. So he said, okay, let me connect you with um, a friend that I have who's a TV anchor and he connected me with her and I decided I'm going to fly out to LA and get my personal styling certification. And um, long story short, I wound up back in Chicago and through this connection that my husband had, um, this woman that my husband connected me with, I wound up on like a local TV show for a couple of seasons and um, with some different video magazines. And yeah, through the process from the time that I decided that I wanted to be somebody that was on stages in the media that was visible, that had branded myself. You know, I remember when I first got my CandaceHickman.com website because I was going to be this TV personality I had decided. Um, from that point on, um, I knew that I wanted to be my own brand. And it's kind of been this process like now that's the whole story leading up to the fact that now I work as a personal brand consultant um, because I just kind of realized that from the process, from the time that I decided that I wanted to be on TV, from moving forward, went into health coaching, relationship coaching, all these different things. And I realized that people were really interested in my journey and my story. And it was kind of this art to, um, to, to being my own brand and this kind of beauty in, in sharing my story and people paying me essentially just to do stuff that I loved. And so it's just a, you know, a really, it was a really interesting evolution for me just from that, from being, you've spent so much time believing that your things are meant to be one way, that I'm going to go through school, that I'm going to get a good job, that I'm going to get an occupation, occupational therapy degree. I'm 20 years old. I've already made it. I'm making good money. 
and then that all being erased barely before it's gotten started, you know, and having to kind of restart again and realising in the process that I have the capacity to be anything, do anything um, that that I really want to do. Wow. And so you're 31 today, and this journey kind of started at 20, right, when you moved stateside? Yeah. like So, so I moved to the States when I was 22. Um, I came out to so 20s when I graduated from university, um, worked for, it was about a year. And then I came out to the United States, took some time, took three months off, traveled around the US by myself wow. uh, when I was 21, met my husband and yeah, then just wound up over here and that's when all the fun really began. Well, I love that because it, it highlights and, you know, my listeners hear me on the soapbox all the time, but it highlights that things take time and different shapes and different expressions and you get different opportunities for different seasons of time and that it's all okay. It's actually good. It's part of the process. And so I think in this entrepreneurial journey, highlighting that you're going to have different expressions of your dream over time. And that's all paved the way to what you're doing now, which what you're doing now is probably what you're, what's paving the way for what you're doing in five years, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. So I would love for you to take us back to that little girl. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but seventh day Adventist women don't wear pantsuits, right? Like skirts only. Well, it's not that it's a hard and fast rule against skirts, uh, but but certainly I, re- I, do, I did grow up with my father saying to me, yep, you wear a dress to church. Like we don't wear some religions, wear jeans, but we were always like, no, we're going to wear women wear dress. My brother always had a suit on, um, definitely not pantsuits. <laughs> um, but I don't think it wasn't like a hard and fast rule. It was just kind of like that was what my father – my, my dad's old school. He was born in 1935. Okay, yeah, totally. So it's a different time. But did, you know, did you wear pants on days off of church? Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, cool. You're talking to a woman that was, I was a mad tomboy. Okay. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm unfamiliar, so I want to know all the details. But still, especially like the one place you see where you where you do dress up as a child, like, you know, it's not like, as a kid, you're going to a wedding every week or a business event every week. As a kid, church can be one of the main places you dress up for on a regular basis. And it was skirts for you. And so did the idea of, I want to wear a pantsuit, did that feel like revolutionary to you as a kid or kind of like rebellious? It felt powerful. Ooh. Yeah. It just felt like real strong professional women wear suits and it felt like soft you know feminine women wore dresses and you know for me I think the combination of me having this very much being a tomboy but then always from the from the second grade being told you're smart you're intelligent I skipped the entire third grade of school because the teacher said that I I just didn't belong there and so I had always identified myself with, I'm smart, I'm intelligent. And even to this day, you'll hear me say, I hold on to it with such, oh, well, I'm smart, I'm intelligent, sometimes to my own detriment that um, my attachment to that belief can be to my own detriment in some cases. But, you know, I, um, to me, I associated a pantsuit with a woman who was intelligent, who was strong, who was professional, who was powerful. Um, and, and that was that was why I craved that. 
I love it. I think that's so cool. And for those listening, I mean, address is powerful as well, but I think it's is very important to focus on, you know, growing up wearing dresses and kind of having to play on that feminine side. It w- It's a really cool dream that you had that I want to be the woman who wears a pantsuit that's powerful. And so, um, you know, these days I like a pantsuit and a dress, but I get, I totally, you know, just not to alienate any listeners where we're going, but I think, um, I think that's really cool. So, you know, as you've grown up, have you had to really combat any limiting beliefs? Like, okay, I have this desire of being powerful, but being feminine was what was good as a child. Does that, did those like internal um, kind of conflicts ever come up? You know what? I, I don't think so much. Um, you know, my my parents are, here's the interesting thing. And mum and dad, if you're listening, I'll ask for uh, forgiveness later. (laughs) (laughs) My parents are, we we grew up in this religion that was, to me, felt incredibly strict and a little bit rigid in many ways. And my dad was incredibly hard and he was disciplined and he, you know, four o'clock in the morning, he's up, he's reading his Bible. But my dad was also a DJ in a former life. Frankie Frankie J, he was a DJ oh, in, a, in, in Sydney nightclubs. My mum, she also wasn't somebody that grew up in the church. Both of my parents came into Christianity. And so even though my parents raised us within this community and this society that there were certain beliefs and, um, you know, rituals that were in place, they were so supportive that, around about, I think it was around about 13 or 14, that I really started to feel my dad release his hold and his grip on it, on our lives, where it was almost like he felt, well, you've kind of, I've, I've guided you as far as I can go. And now it's time for me to kind of release and just trust that, you know, you're being guided and that God's got you. And so I think in many ways, I believed that I could be or do anything that I wanted to be that my parents would never be the ones to tell me that I couldn't be that way. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, they sound, I mean, they sound incredible too. Like having their unique backgrounds coming from kind of outside the um, faith space to really adopting some religious beliefs in a more conservative environment, but also letting you have the freedom to have self-expression and let that take its own shape as young as 14. I, you know, I say all the time, like not everything was done right in my family, but a lot of things that were done right was just this power of belief of my parents believing in me and telling me I could do anything. What would you say to the person who, you know, wasn't told they were intelligent in third grade Um, or, you know, who really has struggled growing up with having a supportive family and they're really trying to rally a supportive community as an adult? You know, I think that there are so many places where you can get that support. And I think that if anything, it's it's bringing awareness to the fact that community is available to you, that, you know, the power to create kind of the life that you want, the the relationships that you want, that it is available to you. You know, I um I didn't spend a lot of time around people that, 
you know, I, I, fortunately I didn't have the opportunity to really engage too much with people that didn't have that supportive um, upbringing and that didn't have, um, you know, adults in their life that were kind of prepared to do whatever they needed to do for them. Um, but I would just say that there is, there is so much community available to you. There's so many people that want to see you succeed. Since I kind of stepped into my entrepreneurial journey, um, I have just been inundated and overwhelmed by the amount of support that you'll find within this community. There's people that within the entrepreneurial world that have shared my stuff, that have encouraged me, that have pushed me almost more than anybody um, because they get me and they get what, what it means to be on this journey. And so I guess for somebody that's kind of saying, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up with those types of influences, then just because you didn't grow up with them doesn't mean that you can't find an extended family, a community that's available to you, even if it's within the Radiant community. Thanks. Yeah, you're always welcome at our table at the Radiant community. And I know you have some <laughs> programs too. I love that your academy is called Known Academy, right? Becoming Known. Becoming Known. I mean... A, just obviously with your your brand consulting, like that obviously has a focus on your expertise of brand consulting, but also I think the double the double meaning of a community where people feel known. Um, I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, I love asking people that question because I really care about how do you create possibility and hope for people who maybe weren't extended that as a child. I know that that certainly has a role in who I am today and how I function as an adult. And I have friends that didn't have that. And so I have other family members who didn't have that. So how do you cultivate that when it wasn't handed to you as a child? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think finding that community as an adult, it's uncomfortable. You have to put yourself out there, but anything of value sometimes comes at a cost. And so putting yourself out there to, um, really find that community who believes in you is always going to be worth it. So these days, what does that look like for you? You've moved across the ocean. You met your husband, but your family's all back in Australia. Although I would love to hear if you found your dad's family, got to connect with them. What does that community look like for you as someone who's moved across the world and had to build that here? It has not always been the easiest. Um, When I first moved to Chicago, I made a few kind of friends, but you know what? The the thing is I was never intentional. And I think that intention is such an important part of building a community around you. I was never intentional in Chicago about building a community or about connecting with the community. And so in many ways I felt really, really isolated. When I moved down to Miami Beach about two years ago, when I decided, you know, I'm going to go, I worked two and a half years ago now, and I decided I'm going to go full time um, in my business. I decided that it was time for me to get intentional. And so I started my own communities, Uh, you know, in Miami. When I first moved here, I started the Miami Girl Society. I was brand new when I started the Miami Girl Society because I knew in my heart that I wanted to connect with other women that were on a similar journey to me throughout the the evolution of that community, which I no longer uh, lead necessarily. But I decided that I wanted to start hosting in-person interviews and I would do events around the city. And I've always been very intentional about building up my own communities where you can't connect in with one, you can create your own. You know, kind of going back to your prior 
question around the limiting beliefs. Like how do you move forward if you've only ever seen something done one way or you've never experienced the support of family or, or whatever it might be? I think we have to come to the realization that we truly do, and I know this is the heart of what you talk about on this podcast, is that we truly do have the potential to create exactly what it is that we want. And when we experience and feel contrast in our lives, like something, we have a desire for something, but maybe we haven't seen it done or experienced it before, for us to realize that we have the potential to do something different. You know, my entire brand, the Becoming Known brand, the Becoming Known podcast and the academy, it's actually based upon this idea that we all have gifts and talents that are worthy of recognition and compensation. But in many ways, it's kind of contradictory to the belief that we had growing up, and you might be able to relate to this as well, that we had to stay humble, be quiet, stay humble. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people say to me, well, how come you have this brand around becoming known? Because you have a double whammy, right? In Australia, we have this phenomenon. It's called tall poppy syndrome. Have you ever heard of it before? I I just heard it last week and I might have heard it from the Australian I was with. I had never (laughs) heard of it before, but it was fascinating. Right. So tall poppy syndrome is this idea that there's all these poppies that they grow in the fields. And if one of the poppies grows higher than the rest, that the farmer goes and chops the poppy, the head off the poppy, so the poppy is the same height as all the others. And so in Australia, there's this phenomenon whereby if somebody thinks that they are higher than other people in society, and that doesn't even have to be like they actually think, and it might be a matter of like, oh, you've experienced more wealth than the rest of the community, or um, a little bit more prestige, or you're on whatever, you're on stages, or you, you are literally seen and visible, that the other Australians will come and kind of chop you down, you know, um, to bring you back to earth. It's not necessarily, we don't, we, we traditionally don't see it as a negative thing. It's more like a, let's bring this person back down to earth. They're getting a little bit higher than us. Um, and so I grew up not only with that mentality, but also in the church. And so this idea that becoming known and being recognized for your gifts and talents and service was not something that you should strive for or that you should desire for. And um, that is actually the underpinning of why I do the work that I do, because a lot of the times people will come to me and say, hey, Candace, but I don't want to brag. You know, I don't want to I don't want to talk about my work because I don't want people to think that I'm bragging. Like, how do I get a, 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 a URL with that's just my name? You know, recently my brother asked me to help him design a website and he didn't want to put his picture on the front, like on the landing page, you know, on the main home page, because he felt like that would be him being too cocky. And um, and this is what I kind of grew up with. So I kind of grew up under the understanding that a desire to um, be on stages or to be in the media or what whatever it might be, to actually voice and verbalize that that was something that I desired was just so arrogant and just a big no-go. And so having to go up against that limiting belief, when I first got my CandaceHickman.com website, I posted it on my Facebook and I hid it from all my friends back home. You know how you can... Ch- you can get the ch- too. <laughs> you can adjust the settings so that people, like certain people can't see it? Like I used to do this because I was so... I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, well, my American friends will probably appreciate it. I don't know about my Australian friends though. And so I would kind of hide it, um, you know, now, and there's a whole other conversation, you know, around, you know, my belief that 
you know, when we believe that we have gifts and talents that are of service, when we honor the gifts that God has given us through serving other people with them, you know, I believe that that is one of the highest honors to God. And the idea of becoming known is not so that you can walk around being cocky and arrogant. It's the idea that when people know who you are, when they know what you have to offer, when you're vocal and verbal about what it is that you do, that you have the potential to make a greater impact on the lives of the people around you. Oh, I love, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that because, you know, I think that just, I mean, we are conditioned to be humble or to play small. And you hear these stories of people who say they feel like not enough and too much at the same time. And it's because of all of the conflicting messages we're getting. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network supporter. This podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about sponsoring what God is up to on the Radiant Podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians feel closer to God is through their First 15 devotional. First 15 is designed to help you spend the first 15 minutes of your day experiencing God through meaningful devotional, scripture, worship, and prayer. Grow closer to God this new year. You can sign up to get the First 15 email devotional sent directly to your inbox at first15.org slash subscribe or start your day off with the First 15 devotional podcast anywhere you listen. passions with becoming known is becoming known to yourself first. 100%. Yeah. You know, this is one of the core things that I love speaking about because it's not just from the aspect of in order to brand yourself. And I this is why I love personal branding because for me, personal branding is an opportunity to know and understand yourself from the inside out. And when you know who you are at your, your core, you know what your personal aesthetic is, what your preferences are, what you take pleasure in, when you know the heart of your story, when you truly know and understand that you are someone worth knowing, then you're able to show up and you're able to express yourself and express your story and express your work in the way that really impacts and touches the lives of other people. This is why for me, this idea of really knowing yourself and becoming known to yourself is so important. You know, we, we, I talk about the, the five V's, you know, when you're building your brand, what does it take to become known? Your voice is one of the most foundational things that we can possibly speak about. But how do you use your voice if you don't know what you want to say? How do you use your voice if you don't know who you are? So the invitation to brand yourself and to become known is really an invitation to really get to know yourself at a, at a deeper level. And I think for me, being in the spotlight and, you know, ha has really like it, it shone a light on my strength and my weaknesses. And it's shone a light on my story and my voice. And, and in order for me to show up and be the person that I want the world to see, I have to come, I have to know and understand who I am intimately. And so, yeah, this is, uh, this is why I, I kind of speak so much about 
the fact that we need to become known to ourselves before we can become known to others. I, I love that because I think for a long time I felt really hidden. Um, I would I would even have people sometimes at events say to me, like, it's okay to be a behind the scenes person. Um, and I'm like, but I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think like for me, what God was cultivating was allowing me to know myself before I was known publicly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's obviously still a journey. Um, and, and again, it led to me feeling so hidden and sometimes unseen. And I actually was just at a different event where someone said that to someone else. And I was able to say, you are not a behind the scenes person. That person just doesn't know how to like respond to your nature, whoever said that to you. But I think sometimes when we are put kind of in a role where we're hidden for a season, it allows us to cultivate knowing ourselves first. Um, And it doesn't mean that's the role we're going to be in forever, but maybe it's a gift. Um, And so I love I love that you focus first on knowing yourself before others can know you, because I think then you'll steward that, you know, public love, attention, affirmation better when you know yourself first. And, and you see that all the time. I, I always had a mentor who would say, some people take the elevator up, but often they're going to have to come back down and take the stairs at some point. So I'm like, let's just take the stairs first. Like, let's do the hard work on the front end so I don't have to take the elevator up and then come back down, you know, which might be a different phrasing of tall poppy syndrome. Like maybe that wasn't the best message always, but it was good for me of like, you know what? I'm going to do the hard work on the front end of, of, and in this case, of truly knowing who I am, how I function, and how I can best steward my influence down the road. I think knowing yourself first is key, key, key. I can't, I can't say that enough. So what are the five V's and what do you find to be the biggest hurdle for people to get past? The five V's are your voice, your visuals, your vibe, your visibility, and I say your vigor. And vigor is by far this is by far the thing that I feel like a lot of people fail to see. This ability to stand the test of time, this ability to remain passionate and focused, but to also stand the test of time. I think so often we see we're in a, an age where there's viral content and where you know people are growing their. I, I heard a a podcaster the other day talk about how she had doubled her Instagram followers in the space of one month. And kind of these are the things that people are latching onto. And these are the things that in this age we all want. So much about building a brand is about standing the test of time. It's about learning what your song is and then just singing it over and over and over and over and over again. You know, we all have a personal brand and it's based upon a lifetime of decisions. You know, even if you don't realize today you have a personal brand and people see you in a particular way. And it's because of a lifetime of decisions that you've made, of choices that you make, of choices that you make from moment to moment, of the way that you choose to actually express yourself. When the time comes for you to actually become known, and th- and when I talk about becoming known, I'm not just, I'm not talking exclusively about fame, you know, becoming known, even it could just even be in your local community. You know, you want to be somebody that holds leadership in your local community or you want to become known to client, potential clients and customers in your area. So much of that and that authority, the authority and people's ability to see you as an expert and see you as a subject matter expert in a particular area 
has to do with you just showing up time after time after time after time. So I kind of love what you're saying here about, you know, this stuff takes time. You know, I heard your conversation earlier with Shay and I was and I was thinking, you know, she was talking about the fact that seven she she was had her kingdom driven entrepreneurs, you know, and she was talking about the fact that seven years it took her, you know, to get to a point where financially she felt like it was a good decision. Well, five and a half years, she's actually she's been doing it for seven years and five and a half years. And sometimes we're in the middle of our um, we're in the we're in we're in the middle. You know, we're in the middle of it and we're trying to judge ourselves based upon some tiny little bit of time that we've been doing it. But branding takes time. Becoming known takes time. Building authority, it takes time. And so I think that in many ways, just your ability to find your voice, to learn how you want to present yourself visually, to actually show up so people can see you and then to have the ability to just stand the test of time that's that could be one of the hardest things to do it is so hard to hang in there when the going gets rough and the messy the whoever coined the phrase the messy middle our you know they couldn't have said it better <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> but yeah like I, and i listened to this podcast by my friends tiffany bloom and ashley abercrombie um that was why why it gets harder before it gets better um and again it just went to it spoke to that messy middle season that feels like everything's turning upside down, but maybe it's the ex- exact shift you need to propel you into your destiny. And I have certainly lived that this year. And so, um, you know, if you ever need to talk to someone who's lived through the messy middle, it's this girl. But I, I think that focus on vigor, you know, can't be emphasized enough because it's the people who will play the long game that have something to show to show for themselves. And and we don't read any books about CEOs, big dreamers who went through life without experiencing hard seasons. Like it's just not possible, but we 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 look at where they've arrived and just look at that. We don't look at all the hard mountains and valley seasons, the roller coaster of emotion they must have gone through and think like oh can't wait to go through that no we like just want to arrive but it comes with those messy middle seasons so i love your emphasis on so kelsey the- i have a question for you though yeah <laughs> Sorry, I, know me. That, I know that i'm the interviewee here, but <laughs> I, I do have a question for you so as somebody that is in the messy middle or you know has recently been in the messy middle what would you say to people? Because I think so often we have this conversation after the fact, you know, and I know Brene Brown always talks about the fact that vulnerability is being able to share the lesson while you're in it. And, um, you know, for, for anybody that, for anybody else that's in the messy middle, like what is your, what would be your biggest point of advice or, um, you know, for anybody that's been in that place where maybe they've been building their brand or their business for a while, nothing seems to be sticking or... What would you say to them? Yeah, so I would probably say like three different things, three threefold things. Practically speaking, like pick up side hustle tasks that will make you some money to allow you to keep going. You know, my agency disappeared overnight with one algorithm change, um, $20,000 months to zero in April. And it was deeply painful. Oh. My husband was still in school, not working full time. He was a barista. And so I did not have a big fallback plan or a big cushy 
savings account to just carry us. Thank God I got my book advanced six days before that. But like pretty quickly, I needed to pick up something with my skill set to at least cover my business bills, which is probably about a thousand bucks in subscriptions alone, like email list subscriptions, podcast editing, all the things add up. Plus, our family's bills, you know, we weren't rolling in the dough from his barista job, that's for sure. I mean, it paid for a school, so it was very worth it. But practically speaking, you are listening to someone who did not have a cushy, you know, option other than like worst case scenario. Our friends were like, you can come live on our couch if you need to sell your house, <laughs> you know. Um, and so and thankfully, our parents were as well. But that that would have been the fallback plan. It was not glamorous. Um, and so practically speaking, pick up tasks you maybe don't want to do. Maybe you, you know, go get a job part time as a surfer. For me, I was like, I have enough, I have enough skills in this online world that I can design some websites. I can build some e-courses, stuff like that. And so I took, you know, the skill set I had reached out to people who were old clients, current clients, all the things. And practically offered my services. I'm always going to give a very practical answer. Once I kind of got that settled, I, um, you know, started dreaming about like what's next and okay, like I could actually scale this offer. It's not my favorite, but I could sub it out and this could be a good like stable income and I could be on a retainer at maybe two or three clients a month, work part-time on this stuff. That's not the most fun stuff, but it's good money. And then I can build out my writing and speaking career, which takes quite a bit of time, you know. And so I I started giving myself space to dream again after kind of getting the moving parts in place it would take to like uh, fund our life. <laughs> and then um, then lastly, just community. Like we had the we have the best friends. We have amazing family members, and I totally understand some of you guys may not have that, but friends, like you can go make friends. Friends are the family you don't choose. Friends are the family you choose. And so I remember this, this set of best friends of ours. That's, that was literally like, do you, what do you need? Do you need money? And I was, I was like, no, like we're okay right now. But the fact that they would offer that, I mean, I, I have cried thinking about the fact that they literally were willing to go withdraw money from their bank account right then and there if I said yes. Um, other friends that are like, well, if you have to sell your house, like we've got a room for you. It'd be fun to be together, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was also really vulnerable to, to share that with my friends. I mean, I, the roller coaster leading up to those algorithms, I mean, algorithms changed every month, month. And there were, there were other months I thought I was about to be out of business and I've cried at dinner parties with my friends. So I have a rad community of people that I can be really vulnerable with and I've watched their highs and their lows as well I know they always believe in me so I was able to be really vulnerable um but it was really scary and so practically Mm. take some of those side hustles and make some money to pay your bills once you get that in line start dreaming about what do you really want and work towards that and then you know, emotionally build a community that's going to be there for you through the the valleys because you can have an audience online who tells you you're awesome all day long. But if you don't have real people in your real life around your table that radically love and believe in you on your worst days and your best days, like you're missing it. Like an audience online is wonderful. Every single one of my followers is important to me, but I have to have that real community in real life. Mm, That's so important. (laughs) 
Yeah. Wow. That's a heck of a story, girl. <laughs> it was a wild year. <laughs> oh, man. I can only imagine. Yeah. It, it has been a wild year, and I, I really, um, it, it's been hard, but I think I would never take it back, actually. It's, it taught me so much about what's really important, and it kind of was like a forced slowdown because one thing you and I were talking about before this episode that I would love to talk about more um, and I'm kind of reliving this lesson over again, but it was very extreme before April. Um, that was like a Band-Aid ripped off of saying, you don't want this lifestyle, so I'm going to end this lifestyle for you. Um, I was working 80-hour weeks. I went to bed thinking about work, woke up thinking about work. My body hurt all over every day because people are obsessed with their followers. And we were primarily on the growth side of things with my agency. And so... You know, I lived in this madness of compulsively working. And even now that I've kind of rebuilt in the last six months, and um, I have rebuilt just in, in different offers, I, I catch myself going back to that pace again. What do you have to say, Candice, to those who are listening who, like, we know hustle is necessary in the beginning to get a dream or a business off the ground, but how do you not... How, how do you move out of that? Because we build these businesses to support these lives of freedom, to live where we want, to work where we want, and then we can't even enjoy them because we're a slave to our business. Oh, look, I'm probably not the best person to be answering this question, honestly. This is the thing that I've been questioning of myself lately is, you know, I'm spending so much time of my week, you know, there's there's not a single day that typically goes by that I'm not doing something as it pertains to my business. And a couple of days ago, and it's funny that you've just caught me at the right time because <laughs> honestly, this week I had this moment of just like, I give up. And not in the sense of I, I give up, you know, not in the literal sense, but in the sense of like energetically, I'm releasing it. It's like a, it's it's a surrender. Because at some point, you 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 know, I'm I live on Miami Beach. I live in a studio apartment off, opposite the ocean. You know, three four steps. I'm basically on the beach, and I'm I'm walking with my husband. We're walking down the boardwalk um, on Monday night. No, Sunday night. There's this old Italian family, and they're sitting and they're enjoying food on the on the boardwalk, and then where we see a, a mother and her child. And we see a father and his daughter and she's riding her bike and she's got a stereo system. She's about six years old. She's got a stereo system in her little, her little bike. She's probably, she's probably eight in, in the basket on the front of her bike. And the, the moon is landing on the water and, and it's so beautiful. And I said to my husband, why am I working so hard? I, if if I I look around and everything is not how I want it to be, but really everything's pretty pretty darn good, you know. I get to have a great husband. I get to spend time with friends. You know, I get to live opposite the ocean. I there's all these great things that I have access to, and I don't take the time to enjoy them. I think it's just honestly, it's a simple shift in mentality and you deciding and remember, we always say life is short, right? We, we're always saying life is short. But when you really sit into that reality, when you really sink into that, that life could be taken from us at any point or that 
you know, our $20,000 a month revenue could be ripped from us at any point in time. It really makes you realize that you know, you have to enjoy the journey. And for anybody that's listening that doesn't have a $20,000 revenue coming in or doesn't live opposite the beach, <laughs> you know, there, I'm sure that you could literally look around and find things about your life that you just love, whether it's taking a bath or being slow to get going in the morning or taking time to read your favorite book. And when you're hustling so hard, it's like you have to keep sight of why it is that you're doing what you're doing. I sit there and I think, why do I want, why am I working so hard? What do I want? Oh man, I just want to live on the beach. Oh man, I just want to be able to travel more. Oh, I just want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And then in, in actuality, like a lot of those things are already either already happening or for those things that aren't yet happening, I think to myself, but how long am I going to be force myself to be miserable and tired and I'm putting on weight and my skin looks all dry and crackled and my eyes, there's this cloudiness in my eyes because I haven't been drinking enough water and I can't see clearly. I've been staring at a screen for too long and I just think to myself, I'm making a choice. Like every single day, my life could be exactly the way that I wanted it to be if I would just give myself space and time. Oh, that is good, girl. I think we can all, no matter where we're at in our lives, learn from that. Whether you're working a day job that you hate, but you need to find joy in other parts of your day, whether it's, you know, you've had some unforeseen circumstances happen in your life. Hello to my 2019. <laughs> you know, no matter what, you can look around and make small changes to create the life you want. And we so often like fall prey to like kind of getting in autopilot um, and just existing in like the parameters with which we've created, but we can make changes. And I, I wish I would have changed for myself the life I was living before April because it almost had to be changed for me, like a cha an algorithm change that made me stop running at that pace because I kept saying I wanted to, but I couldn't. Um, and once it was gone, I was like, oh, the money wasn't worth feeling that way. I don't ever have to build something that makes me feel that way ever again. And so, um, man, I could talk to you all day long, Candace. Tell us a little bit before we go um, more about Becoming Known Academy um, in your podcast and then where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So Becoming Known Academy just launched actually on November 1st. So I'm pretty excited about it. it. It was a community, coaching community really born out of the idea. I don't know about you, but I've spent a lot of money in the past on coaches and mentors oh, yeah. and strategists a ton. And, you know, my private coaching programs aren't the, you know, I'm the cheapest. And I wanted to be able to provide a service to people that maybe just want to ask me a few questions here and there and wanted access to community and also wanted to get the information and the tools and resources they need in order to overcome their, their fears, build a standout brand and actually leverage uh, their work for money. So I started Becoming Known Academy. It's a $25 a month group coaching program. Um, and, you know, you get access to a couple of calls per month and live chats and cancel anytime. So it's a really great community. We've, we've um, just launched. We, we have at the moment just 18 people, but it, we're in four different countries and I'm loving uh, the different people that show up and all the great questions. So becomingknownacademy.com um, is where people can find out more information about that. And then uh, tons of great interviews and 
free content and all about building a brand and getting publicity for your work and, you know, becoming known to yourself uh, over at the Becoming Known podcast. So that's also available. My website's candicehickman.com. Candice is C-A-N-D-I-S, hickman.com. And pretty much anything that you need to know about me, you can link to from there. Awesome, Candice. It was such a joy to chat with you. I think it was timely for both of us. And you'll definitely have to come back and join us here at the Radiant Podcast. Oh, I sure will. If, if invited, I'll be here. <laughs> Thanks, Candice. <laughs> hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.